0: Hello and welcome to Deep Dive. I'm James Lancaster, editor of AMI, and my guest today is someone who knows the challenges faced by international associations as much as anyone. Nikki Walker has spent more than 30 years growing, consulting and developing associations around the world. As MCI's Global Vice President, Engagement, Associations and Communities, Nikki is responsible for defining and implementing the services MCI provides to associations around the world. She oversees regional hubs in Brussels, Dubai, Singapore, Washington DC, and Sao Paulo, as well as many national offices and markets. Hi, Nikki, how are you doing?
1: Hey, James, very nice to be with you today. So, in
0: Europe, uh, we've seen a wave of countries uh, lifting pretty much all COVID related restrictions. I think Denmark was the last to do that. Elsewhere, uh, Hong Kong, for example, have just gone back into what looks like near total lockdown. Uh, can you just give us a quick health check then on the international association meetings market right now?
1: Yeah, I think there's um, <laughs> there's a craving, there's a great desire to get back to face to face, you know, as fast as possible. I think what we've everybody tolerated virtual and 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 migrated to virtual very quickly and successfully. But what we did find was that nobody, not well, none of our clients, none of the associations liked hybrid. Um, so you know, it's it's face to face or virtual. But please don't give me hybrid. Is kind of what we're hearing now. Um, it has a lot to do with the fact that it is a lot of extra work. I mean, it is effectively organising, you know, almost two meetings. Um, and we're seeing, you know, I, I'm speaking to you from Dubai. Obviously, you know, it's very open. There's huge demand. There's meetings happening all the time. We have our uh, industry association conference the dubai association conference coming up face to face in less than two weeks so oh and interestingly enough actually um, one of our clients held took the plunge and held a face-to-face meeting in san francisco in the last weekend of january at a time when a lot of other u.s associations were canceling their meetings and they had the highest attendance ever so it's let's say um i guess we can say it's positive but i think also certainly from our side we're advising everybody there has to be a plan b you know you can go ahead and plan face to face it's got to look different it's got to feel different it's going to be smaller more national or regional um but have a plan b if you have to migrate to vi- to virtual or you have to go hybrid you must have that plan in place okay
0: that's interesting thanks for giving us uh, that overview i want to Get on to uh, membership, though. Uh, I think that's uh, something you you have special interest in. In your experience, speaking to your clients, what impact has the pandemic had on membership? Has have numbers gone up, down? What what's happened?
1: Uh, some associations have had a decline in membership, and I think it really depends. Uh, it depends on the the, the type of the association. So, you know, for example, um, an industry alliance trade association that relies very much on working groups and, you know, coming together to create industry standards, or to create, you know, go to market strategies or whatever, those meetings are simply not as effective in a virtual uh, environment. So, you know, and, and in trade associations, generally, companies pay a lot of money, you know, it can be hundred and fifty, hundred, you know, fifty thousand euros or dollars. It's so a lot of money. So if the company hasn't been able to get from that association what it you know joined up to do, then you know some of those trade associations have lost members. But I don't really think that individual membership um, organisations should have suffered much in their membership if they had in place what they needed to have in place Um, you know Covid shouldn't really have made a difference.
0: No I mean in many ways a a situation like this an international crisis would be would be an opportunity for associations to shine wouldn't it for for members members to sort of turn to their association in in a Mm. a time of in a time of crisis so on, on that has has the pandemic exposed any flaws in the membership model do you think?
1: Well, I think the associations that have thrived and you know membership has stayed stable and engagement has been good are those that really catered to them in a virtual online environment. So, those with online communities who were already allowing their members to engage, you know, three six five or twenty four seven or whatever you want to call it, um, those those communities have thrived. The smaller associations that really had one product and one product only you know which was their conference um, and therefore they relied on the face to face to deliver any kind of value they have suffered and and some of those smaller associations really never focused on membership anyway that was a kind of you know it was almost uh, a forgotten thing you know the focus was very much on the conference So I think it depends a lot on the association. It depends on the industry. It depends on the style of the association. We can't categorically say all associations have been affected or no associations um, have been affected. But uh, I don't really think COVID um, is necessarily, you know, the excuse for why membership might go up or down.
0: Mm. Okay. So the idea of membership um, has been heavily co-opted by corporations, hasn't mm. it, in the last 30 years? Sort of, um, it's difficult almost to think of a time before this happened, <laughs> but uh, fitness clubs, supermarkets, yeah. um, uh, I don't know, DVD, uh, video rental. I- is there anything associations can learn from the for-profit world when it comes to membership, or, or do associations have it pretty much wrapped up?
1: I think the biggest learning is... Um, flexibility and really thinking about the member and/or potential member, you know, otherwise referred to as a customer, and how they want to engage. Because the corporate world has very much taken the attitude that you know the customer is king, and uh, they have flexible ways you can join. You join Amazon. Everybody's a member. You want to pay a little bit more. You want a slightly better service. You take Amazon Prime, and it costs you something. Um, whereas. Associations have, have always gone in and, and historically have had a very rigid membership offering, which is, you know, kind of the association determines it. It's got this, 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 an advantage, and there's a price attached to it. And you take it or you leave it. And if you want that, then you become a member. And if you don't, you don't. You don't join because mm. there's no other way in. Um, so I think the flexibility and, and uh, you know, different subscription models, different ways of approaching um, and, and helping people sort of climb up that engagement ladder uh, from, you know, bog standard member to super, super, super premium VIP member. Um, there's a lot that can be learned in the association world.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's getting to know your members in the first place, isn't it? Sort of uh, tapping into whatever data yeah. you have yeah. to do yeah. that. Um, y- you've spoken in the past about associations broadening their definition of a, of mm. a member uh, to embrace a, a wider community of users. Um, some people might argue that, that you know, membership gives associations their USP. Mm. They should be fiercely protecting the exclusivity of their membership, if mm. you like.
1: Well, yes, I mean, membership organizations exist because of the quest to have members and to engage and you know, the mission, advanced science, whatever it might be. But I believe that associations have been too rigid in the way that they protect the membership and only think about the people with the title called member. Um, if you take you know you you attend a lot of conferences and meetings and things you know many many associations have more people at their conferences and meetings than they have members many all around the world and yet they don't consider these people important customers you know they get forgotten they either don't have the data for them or they don't you know necessarily solicit them they don't go after the meeting, whether it was virtual or face-to-face, and engage them and bring them into the community. And yet they are a prime customer. They're a prime target. So I believe that associations should consider their entire stakeholder group, their customers, as some form of member of a community. And that's what I mean about this learning from corporate. If you take a base member, if we take the participant at at a conference, a virtual or a physical and you think okay why couldn't you welcome that person as a participant member yeah you're not going to give them anything they're not going to pay anything more but psychologically you've welcomed them in you've thanked them for joining the meeting you know you said lovely to have you as a participant member and you're taking care of them you're reaching out to them you're engaging with them you're communicating with them and you're treating them as you know a valued customer Instead of forgetting them in some database. So I think there is a way of being more open. I, I'm not advocating to forget the membership model, but if you if you take this sort of help me rise up the ladder, help me engage at different levels, and I come in as a participant member you know and then somebody says to me hey but you know you could be even more involved you could help develop standards you could get involved with this committee you know you could actually do some more networking because there's an online community how do you fancy that and you know you think okay well that's interesting um yes maybe I'd like to do more and so you work your way up to becoming what is the model today but that's a vip member it's somebody that wants to pay a premium, that wants to be involved and that's happy to you know, uh, be a volunteer but, but and, and is also you know, involved with voting. Because remember, membership is all about voting. It's all about you have the right to decide on the future direction of your organisation. You have the authority to vote. But not everybody wants that. Not, not everybody is interested in the policy or the governance of the association but they like the products, they like the programs, they like attending the conferences, you know, they, they value the organization. So why not open up the thinking? It, open up the
0: thinking is precisely what I was going to, uh, say this is not just a financial yeah. consideration is it this is about getting people on board who may have something to give your association as well in terms of their knowledge and expertise and their their experience it's not it's, it could be a financial consideration if you do manage to push them up the sort of membership pyramid but, but even if you don't you may be able to get something yeah. else out of them in terms of well
1: you, you can probably sell you know if you have other products and problems you can probably sell more because they've come to you because they're interested in something you've got if it's not the membership, it's other elements of the association, and and it's all about how people want to engage today. I think that for me, the main thing is that associations tend to only think and talk about their members. And if you think of it from a, a policy or an advocacy point of view, you know, if you want to say you've got an association of um, a thousand members and you want to influence policy, nobody's going to take you very seriously. If you say you've got an organization of ten thousand. Members they're a member of your great community. You have far more influence far more of a voice and you're not lying They are part of your community. They've just chosen different ways yeah. to engage yeah.
0: That is interesting that you can leverage it in that way as well now. There's been a lot of talk about associations um, ramping up their engagement activities and creating sort of three three hundred. how many days in a year are there 360? <laughs> <laughs>
1: 365 365
0: <laughs> 365 days a year yeah, communities so exactly nev- so creating yeah. this sort of never ending uh, conversation and I think that sounds great mm. uh, in, in theory I suspect a lot of associations might find that idea a bit daunting or even impossible from a resources point of view though um, what, what's your take on that?
1: Uh, well it goes back a little bit to what I was saying before um, there's a very simple way of engaging 365 days of the year, no boundaries, across all geographies, across all time zones, and it's an online virtual community. And, and as I said earlier, the associations that had those in place prior to COVID have kept up their member engagement and their member communications and, and member not networking, you know, exchange of information. So the value of the membership has been there. And online communities is it's it's simple. It's technology. It's not complicated, and the actual technologies these days are not expensive. So it's not exorbitant for any association to do that. What has to be remembered is that a community also needs to be moderated. It needs to be managed. People need to be encouraged. There need to be you know subject matter leaders and and experts etc. So the smaller associations tend to be the ones, as I said before, that have only had a conference. And therefore they're not thinking three hundred and sixty-five days, they're thinking two days. They're only thinking about engaging with that group of people for two or maybe you know, three times two days or whatever in the year. They're not thinking about the whole year. And it's it's those organizations that might be daunted um, to use your you know thinking because their whole mindset is not around anything other than just the hiatus of, you know, some kind of face to face engagement, whether it's annual or goodness, you know, some triennial. I mean, can you imagine if it's only once every three years yeah. that you reach out to your yeah, community? Absolutely.
0: I'm, I'm wondering though if, if since the internet uh, exploded into our lives and digital communication became so pervasive, there's a sort of feeling that everything has to be uh, 24/7 um i just wonder if some associations have a membership base that isn't actually engageable at a very high frequency um and i'm thinking maybe of kind of um academic associations where um the innovations and developments in in the subject matter may not happen at a, at a very great pace and that maybe a bi-monthly journal in a biennial conference is just about right for for that kind of conversation um and i wonder are, are they going to struggle or or can they make it work for them for themselves in, in some way well
1: i think it's like any uh, you know any organization you have to know who your customer who your target audience is and of course if you're a good communicator you know that you're going to reach out to them in channels and provide channels that are relevant to them so you know a lot of the meetings industry um, has been heavily dependent on healthcare meetings, on scientific meetings. And you know there's as you said, the, many of those associations have had a physical conference and they've had they had a physical journal which then went digital. Um, so those associations whose audience are not engaged online or whose work, doesn't allow them to be sitting, you know, behind a computer or, you know, have their tablet to hand or their mobile phone to hand, you know, on a daily basis. Surgeons are busy; they're seeing, you know, client, customers, patients, whatever you want to call them. They're operating. They have a window generally when they engage in with their association. either very early in the morning before they start their, you know, medical day, or it's late in the evening. You have to know as an association what your membership target audience community wants so it's i'm not saying it's for everybody um but i do believe that uh the the sort of model of just bringing people together for a kind of stand-up you know conference when somebody top down is sharing knowledge and everybody's sitting quietly nodding their head um needs a little bit of revamping in in future if we're going to attract people to travel all over the world or you know travel period um to attend these conferences right you said um
0: just wanted to pick up on something you said earlier that associations in your experience don't haven't jumped on hybrid uh the hybrid meeting uh Hmm. format um is that is that primarily a resource thing as well or is it um a complexity thing What, what what's the issue there
1: uh, it's it's all of those things. Um, resources, cost, because you are having to, you know, organize two meetings, so you need more staff. You need two teams, for example, one on site and one managing everything that's going on um, on the virtual side. So there is a, a cost, therefore there is a complexity. Um, and it's often those associations that, that, that didn't really have a very uh, clever or well-thought-through um, virtual strategy that decided to put all their content online free and just, you know, let people come. Well, <laughs> guess what? You know, they lost a lot of money. Um, so they're desperate to get back to face-to-face, cut out anything virtual because they want attendance, uh, you know, participants to pay for their content. So those that didn't have the right strategy um, are, you know, really not wanting to mess with anything virtual or hybrid in the future because they just think say face-to-face is, is a, a better you know money uh, generating um, strategy if you like but those that managed virtual uh, strategically and applied a sensible kind of pricing structure but very definitely a pricing structure to the virtual event experience conference whatever you want to call it um, you know they they still maintain because they lost a lot of their costs a very healthy revenue or a very healthy uh, profit. And so they are more inclined to think that hybrid is okay and perhaps that's a larger association or one that can afford, you know, more um, outsourcing. So again, it's not a one size or one solution for every type of association.
0: Mm. I mean, I asked the question because I imagine you could have a scenario where you could have online membership as a as a category mm-hmm, and absolutely. You know, so, someone who just wants to sort of is happy to watch yeah. content, yeah. content online. And,
1: and many associations had that even before COVID, you know, they would have hmm. a digital uh, membership. Sometimes that was just um, you know, somebody who could get a newsletter. They sign up for a newsletter and they were called a virtual member. There was no cost because they were only getting a newsletter. Others put certain amount, others with a sophisticated digital um, you know, online learning courses, etc. They would or digital um, publications, etc. You know, they would um, have digital membership where it was a reduced fee, and that would cover a- uh, access to digital components that the association had. So, you know, that was in place long before COVID came along, um, and has been very successful for a number of associations. So, are
0: you seeing more associations taking? membership seriously, uh, maybe employing a community manager or asking you to do more as, as MCI to, to come in and do more work for them in that in that regard? Mm.
1: I think um, one of the buzzwords of the last couple of years is engagement. Um, and, and you may remember this time last year, we re- mm. as MCI, we repositioned ourselves as an engagement marketing agency and and my title now has the word engagement in it because for us it's all about engaging audiences and i think where membership um you used to have titles such as you know member manager or customer service you now have you know vp of engagement you have engagement services you have member engagement so the, the buzzword of engagement and the realization that the more somebody is engaged, I nearly used the word member, but it doesn't have to be a member. The more that somebody in your community is engaged, the more loyal they they will be to the to the brand. Um, and it's not this is not unique to associations, of course. It's happening very much in the in the um, for profit sector as well. So yes, we've seen much greater focus on what is it that that drives engagement that in that drives and it's more than just volunteering it's more than just you know creating and up writing an article contributing um, but there is more strategy behind that mm. now
0: that's interesting if you could give associations then one one piece of advice at the start of 2022 i know these questions are a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> what would it be
1: be flexible um, be open to change because, I mean, one thing I've, I think I've said this to you lots of times in the last couple of years, I believe that COVID has actually been a great opportunity because it's forced us to change and organisations that have embraced change are not perhaps yet thriving as much as they were in 2019. Um, but change and Doing things differently and taking certain risks are three words that don't necessarily align terribly well with association strategy. They're very risk adverse. Um, But being open to considering uh, doing things differently, um, I would call it modernizing. You know, be a bit more in tune with the way your future audience wants to engage because it isn't the 60 pluses that are the future audience. It is the, you know, 18, 19, 20, 30 uh, age group. And they've grown up in a very, very different world um, where engagement, online, virtual, 365 communications, all sorts of channels uh, that are out there, Um you know are possible so I think flexibility open mind in this and be modern just get in tune with (laughs) what's going on get with it yeah
0: (laughs) yeah no I I mean a lot of associations are with it we know that Um, yes of course there there are others others that maybe aren't but um listen thanks very very much for your time today Nikki it's always such a pleasure to talk to you and we'll have you on deep dive again uh, before the end of the year I'm sure thanks very much
1: wonderful thanks James bye-bye